beliefs about God influence the way we steward authority and that's a huge question that's why I said we need wisdom that's a huge question for America who has been for the last two three decades as the policeman for the globe how do we properly steward a place of authority and be completely altruistic or looking out for everybody equally it's a great question When a person in authority is challenging you, what is your instinctual response? For many of us, it's to stiffen and stand our ground. If it's not an issue of compromising our morals, it may just be an issue of submission. But if we can't humble ourselves in small situations, how can we submit to God? Pastor Daniel will show us how human authority is training for us to bow before God. Now here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Romans, chapter 13, verse 1, with his continuing study entitled, Life Under Authority. You need to be in the Word of God. If there was ever a time that the people of God needed to get themselves knee-deep in the Word of God, it's right now. Because we live in a soundbite culture, but the issues of our culture and world are not soundbite-fixable. They're not. And even though it makes for good news or a good Twitter feed, we realize that the issues that we are confronting as A global village today needs a wisdom that is not earthly, but is eternal. A wisdom that has everything in view. And brothers and sisters, that's not coming from anywhere except the Almighty God. It's not coming from anywhere else. Everybody's had their chance. Nobody has it. And we need to get into the Word of God. Not only reading it, but saying, God, not only do I want to know your Word, I want to know your heart in your Word. Saying, God, I need you to help me see this not from my vantage point or some opposing vantage point, but from your vantage point, who sees the beginning and the end as if it's the perpetual right now. That sees not only fixing it in the moment, but the consequences that come from it. We need to get deep into the things of God's word and God's heart. The old disciplines. Not a new set of disciplines. The old time religion. And I'm here to tell you that we have such access to so much information that all of us are without excuse because no matter what your learning style is, no matter what your issues with, I don't like reading, I don't comprehend things well, you know, no matter what it is, there is an opportunity for you because you're like, hey, I don't like reading. Well, get it on MP3. Like, I don't do MP3. Get it on CD, get it on A-Track. You can even get it on record. You say, well, when I read it and I hear it, I don't understand it. Listen, you can get teaching from everybody and their mom's poodle at this point. It's true. You go online, you can type in a verse, 
And you're going to find a million different sets of commentaries that are right there. You don't even have to buy it. It's all just sitting there like, well, I don't have an access to a computer. There's the thing called the library. They still have computers there, and those things still exist. Trust me. We need wisdom. You know why? Not only so that we have it for ourselves and the world we live, but God wants his people's faces to shine with wisdom. It says in the book of Psalms, chapter 34, verse 5, that they looked unto him and they were radiant. Part of this is about the witness of the people of God in the world today, which if we can just put it out on the table, the witness of the church of Jesus Christ in the world today isn't so shiny, is it? It's not. But brothers and sisters, as we like to say here at Crossroads, we can't redo whatever happened yesterday. You and I have responsibility for today. Yesterday was what it was. And if, when we have to say, hey, we messed that whole thing up, we'll say, hey, we messed that whole thing up. But today's a new day. And God's mercy is new every morning. And you and I, brothers and sisters, we need wisdom. I don't, I don't know about you. I need wisdom. I'm saying, Lord, I want your wisdom. And it only comes from his word and in prayer from his mind and heart as we pray and seek him together. So brothers and sisters, we need and want to shine with wisdom. And in order to think about authority, it needs to begin with we need wisdom. We want to shine with wisdom. Now look at what happens. Turn back to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. As we pick up in verse 2, it says, I say, keep the king's commandment for the sake of of your oath to God. Do not be hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand for an evil thing, for he does whatever pleases him. Where the word of the king is, there is power. And who may say to him, what are you doing? He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful. And a wise man's heart discerns both times and judgment. Because for every matter, there is a time and judgment. Though the misery of man increases greatly For he does not know what will happen So who can tell him what will occur No one has power over the spirit to retain the spirit And no one has power in the day of death There is no release from that war And wickedness will not deliver those who are given to it so now we are reminded once again that we should obey God-given authorities. Obey God-given authorities. At the time that the preacher is writing this, kings were the normal form of government. Now, we still have them today, but of course we live here in 21st century America where a, a democracy is the preferred form of government. At least where we're living, it is. So the idea here, he's talking about it in relation to a king. And for us today, our God-given authorities in America is our elected officials who we actually have a say in who we elect at least one vote for each one of us, unless we're ballot stuffing, which is illegal. So don't even get any silly thoughts about that. But the idea here is we need to obey God-given authority. And... What is being explained here, it's a reminder of how it's important 
to be obedient to the authorities over you, in this case, the king. Now notice, it runs down a number of things. It says, keep the king's commandment for the sake of your oath to God. So he's saying, one, you should obey the God-given authority because you made an oath that you would do that. Not only that, verse 3, don't be hasty to go from his presence. So it means don't depart from the presence of the king in haste because you're frustrated or angry. Then it says, do not take your stand for an evil thing, for he does whatever pleases him. So don't align yourself with evil because the king has authority over the people. Notice what it says, verse 4, where the word of the king is, there is power. And who may say to him, what are you doing? One of the problems with authority is that whoever has it, you don't really know if they're going to do good at it or not. Isn't that the biggest issue? When people have power, are they going to servant lead with that power, like Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, or are they going to do whatever they want? And we know that that's really not an authority problem. That's a heart problem in humans. Each one of us in the places that we find ourselves in authority, whether in our homes, in our divisions, on our jobs, some of you own companies, some of you head of your HOA association, head of the racquetball club, whatever your, your areas, how are you leading? The problem with power, of course, and we've talked about this before, is that oftentimes when people have power, they're not really concerned about anybody else. They're just doing what they want to do. That's what it says here. The word of the king, there is power. And who may say to him, what are you doing? Why? Because he'll do whatever pleases him. Now, don't miss the irony of this. And it's interesting. If you read a lot of theology, which I'm sure that all of you do, One of the contemporary arguments in theology is about, do you remember in the beginning of the book of Ecclesiastes, this guy is a king. So it's interesting, he is a king and he's telling everybody what? Obey the king. (laughs) Quite self-serving of him, isn't it? And it is. And there is some theme, for those of you who like to read, you can read about how biblical theology and empire mix. Because don't forget, the children of Israel were never meant to have a king. God wanted to be their king. But, remember in the time, 1 Samuel, the people wanted to be like the other nations. We want a king. It was like, no, no, he's going to take all your money. He's going to take your cattle. Like, no, no, we want to be like everybody else. And Saul was chosen, and he was preceded by David, who was preceded by Solomon, and the whole thing. But it's interesting how some of the themes in theology change when you have the belief in the one true and living God as it relates to empire. Now, the reason I think this is very important, or maybe important for us, is that we live in, by all accounts in America, we live in an empire. Even though it's not the Roman Empire, we function with the same distinctives in America as any traditional empire, except we don't call them that anymore. So how does belief in God and the marriage of that to the idea of empire, how does it play? And we have to be careful with that. It's it's an interesting line of discussion. I don't know if I have any answers for it. I just put it out there to think about. But how does our beliefs about God influence the way we steward authority? And that's a huge question. That's why I say we need wisdom. It's a huge question for America who has been for the last two, three decades as the policeman for the globe. 
How do we properly steward a place of authority and be completely altruistic or looking out for everybody equally? It's a great question. And that's why with this whole discussion about obeying God-given authorities, I want you to turn. Keep your finger in Ecclesiastes. Turn to Romans chapter 13 because the Apostle Paul picks up on the exact same discussion in writing to the Christians in the church in Rome. So keep your hand there. You're going to turn to your right this time all the way into the New Testament, past those four Gospels to the book of Romans, chapter 13. Because you might say, oh, this whole obey God-given authorities, man, that's Old Testament business. No, the Apostle Paul says some of the same stuff. Look at what it says. Romans 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience's sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers, attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Wow. This is the Apostle Paul talking. He's saying, listen. You need to honor God's given authorities. Why? Because we don't trust in those authorities. We trust in the true and living God. And don't let it escape you that when the Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Rome, they were under intense persecution, both from the leaders of Judaism, which the Apostle Paul was a part of, and also from a series of Roman emperors who were absolutely brutal to the early church. But yet the Apostle Paul exhorts the church in Rome to do good, to be submissive to authority, knowing that God ultimately is in control. How challenging is that for us today? Really challenging, right? When you start thinking on those terms. Now, don't get me wrong. You'll find in the book of Acts that when the government asks you to do things that go clearly against God's word, civil disobedience is always the order of the day. But even the way we do that has to be under the framework of the wisdom that God gives us. Because God's design for his people is not to take over the government, but to live quiet and contented lives counterculturally in the midst of whatever host culture we're in. So we need to learn from God, Lord, how do I better obey the authorities that you have placed? Whether they're governmental, whether they're personal on the job, where I work, where I play, all this stuff. 
Because most of the strife that we have, I believe, when it comes to authority, is the fact that we might sit down on the outside, but we're standing up on the inside. How many of you guys have had that experience? I remember as a young kid, I had a teacher, and I did not like this teacher very much because I was young and arrogant. And I remember they're like, Mr. Fusco, sit down. And I stood there and glared at this teacher. Oh, the gall. And then I finally sat down, but you know, I was on my tiptoes on the inside. But you know what the problem with that is? If you can't be submissive to the human authorities over you, how can we ever hope to be submissive to the God who we don't see face to face in the same way? This is why this is important to God because part of the issue in 21st century Christianity is because we don't know how to submit to human authorities, we really struggle to submit to the supernatural authority of God. And in some ways, our submission to human authorities on whatever level is spring training for our spiritual reality of us bowing the knee to the Lord as his loyal, humble subject. So we often don't think about it on these terms, but that's what we're getting at here in the book of Ecclesiastes and Paul in the book of Romans. So turn back to Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and notice as you do that, verses 7 and 8, we start getting a a turn here. It's it's a shift in thought because in verse 7 it says, for he does not know what will happen, so who can tell when it will occur? No one has power over the spirit to retain the spirit and no one has power over the day of death. There is no release from that war and wickedness will not deliver those who are given to it. See, part of our perplexity with life is the frustration and ignorance concerning the fact that we just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and nobody else does. That's part of the struggle for us. And notice, no matter how much authority or understanding you gain, verse 8 reminds us that no matter how much power you have, you don't have power over the spirit to retain the spirit. You don't have power over the day of death. There's no release from that war. So that struggle that you cannot control when you die never lets up. Notice that there's no release from that war. If I can erase a verse in the Bible, that might be the one. It's saying, look, you have no chance of being able to have the authority to make the biggest decisions, the most ultimate decisions. You don't have control. We're never released from the war knowing that we don't have control over the things of eternity, of life and death. So even a king's authority meets its match right there. Now, why is this important? Because not only should we shine with wisdom and not only should we obey God-given authorities, but now we're starting to shift to the reality that there's a bigger authority. There's, even though we might have human leaders and authorities, there is a more ultimate leader and authority. Look at what it says, verse 9. All this I have seen and applied my heart to every work that is done under the sun. There is a time in which one man rules over another to his own hurt. Then I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of holiness and they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. This also is vanity because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. 
Therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and his days are prolonged, yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before him, but it will not be well with the wicked, nor will he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he does not fear before God. Now, brothers and sisters, this is important. These verses teach us that delayed judgment is only delayed. Delayed judgment is only delayed. You notice here what's being getting at is that, hey, there's evil people and they're getting rewarded for their evilness. The idea of talking about someone being buried, the wicked being buried, that was a sign of honor in those days. Somebody being left unburied, like people who were crucified by the Roman Empire, that was considered the ultimate act of shame. There's no rest for them, even in death. So the idea here is that the wicked, not only they have the honor of a burial, even though they were unholy, the sentence against an evil work in verse 11 is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set to do evil. Now notice that. See, because the wages of our actions do not happen immediately, there's a delayed judgment. And because of the delayed judgment, everyone thinks, oh, everyone can get away with that. And because there's not instantaneous judgment, people say, well, it's only wrong if you get caught and no one's gotten caught yet, so I'm going to keep going. I'm going to let evil proliferate and persist in my own heart. Now, you see why this is a huge thing. Because if we buy the lie that because we are not judged instantaneously for what we do, that we won't be judged at all, we have a tendency to let evil and not wisdom continue in our own lives. We live in a culture based on this, don't we? It's only wrong if you get caught. Everyone's doing it. No one's gotten busted for that yet. You know what the only problem with not being outed for unconfessed rebellion? The problem with it is that at some point, it's all going to come out. And mostly when it comes out, it's a total mess. Don't forget this. This is important. Because when evil proliferates in our lives, it ruins not only God's good creation, but it ruins our witness as the people of God. We need to remember that even though you haven't gotten busted yet for it, you're actually better off if you get busted for it. Because the problem with not being outed for your heart rebellions that proliferate, the problem is it continues rather than change. I've been so blessed. As I've been watching here at Crossroads, so many people have brought sins into the light. They said, people come and say, look, I just need to get this out into the open. And they literally just out themselves. They've been doing it in a, in a corner forever. And nobody knew about it. But then someone says, look, this is too serious to leave hiding because delayed judgment is only delayed. It's going to happen. So I'm going to drag this stuff into the light and I'm going to deal with the mess that it is. Jesus is In today's message, we were asked to reflect on our own heart's attitudes towards authority. 
Being able to submit to human authorities is like spring training as we learn to bow the knee to the Lord. The biggest decisions are really out of our control concerning life and death and eternity. Our God is the ultimate authority and we need to trust Him as He directs our steps and determines our path. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will challenge us to drag out all our garbage into the light. This is perhaps one of the most humbling, scary, and shameful steps to take on our way to change. But worse is what happens when your sin festers and eventually comes to the surface before you've gotten in front of it. None of us can do this alone in our own strength. We can only do this with Jesus. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled, You Only Live Once, next time. Until then, may God bless.